Well, babe, we did it. We wrote a book. Yeah, man, it's it's actually surreal to even think about uh, that we wrote a book, had a baby, got married, not necessarily in that order. <laughs> <laughs> but the book is now available yeah. for pre-order, and we're so excited to share it with you. Oh, so looking forward to getting this book into your hands, to be in dialogue and conversation with all of you as we continue to liberate love from old imprints and codependent dynamics that keep us small, stuck, and stagnant. Yeah, you know, no matter your relationship status, this book walks you through what shaped you, why do you do what you do in relationship. It dives deep into your relationship blueprint, attachment styles, and most importantly, which is different than every other book that's ever covered codependency in the past, we explore the role of the nervous system in that. And the book is called Liberated Love. Yeah. Release your codependent patterns and create the love you desire. Go to createthelove.com slash liberated love to order your copy now. That's createthelove.com slash liberated love and get that pre-order in and you'll be able to get a free download of a meditation we created and a workbook that goes along with it. Much love and appreciation for your support. Much love. Thank you. When you shift who you are, how you think, how you feel about yourself, your habits, you can apply the Miracle Morning to any result you want in your life. Hello and welcome, Hal Elrod, to the podcast. Mark, dude, this is this is uh, we we just spent five minutes crash course getting to know each other, and I think our energy is pretty aligned. So I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, man, I'm. Uh, when I watched your film on the Miracle Morning, I was it was affirming everything that I never thought about stacking everything, and I don't want to give uh, all what we're about to talk about away. I never yeah. thought about stacking all those things um, to create a morning that's kind of like superhuman or supercharged, which even calling it superhuman makes it sound like it's distant or not available, but yeah. it, it's really incredible. Your story is incredible. So I'm excited to have you on the pod today to share the shifts that you made in your life and how that has now transformed like millions of lives, which is wild, wild. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it never, and it really did organically start as like my little morning ritual that I felt, hey, this changed my life. And I had shared it with my, uh, at the time I was a coach, so my coaching clients, and I thought that none of them were morning people and I wasn't a morning person and this works for all of us. Like this could work for anybody. And uh, so I should, I should write a book about it. And, you know, and I'm like, well, I don't, I'm a, I'm a nobody, like I can't get a publisher. So I guess I'll just like self-publish it on Amazon. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it, was, it was the definition of like, humble beginnings. And, uh, but, and I think it's a, a good, you know, I know we're going to get into all of it, but a good story for anybody that like, again, I, I had no audience, no reach, no notoriety. I shouldn't say none, but very little, right. I wasn't known by anybody, but I had a mission. I was like, I'm committed. And the, the original mission was change 1 million lives one morning at a time, because the number 1 million felt big enough that I didn't know if I could ever reach it. So I thought it would give me a target to shoot for the rest of my life. <laughs> and, um, you know, and so, you and so, yeah, it's up. like, and just eventually, like you just kept moving forward and like, you know, one opportunity led to another and and here we go. No, nah, it's incredible. And it shows you how contagious, you know, we often think about how contagious news is or like negativity, mm. but man, it shows you how contagious the desire for connectedness to be centered in oneself that we have like this biological need to figure out a path to get clarity, to have yeah. habits that are healing. And, you know, I would imagine that through those principles and the habits that we end up also enriching every area of our life, of course, because we bring that version of ourselves to it. Has that been yeah. your experience? Like when you think about them, I mean, now how many lives are you, do you have like a number, like a McDonald's sign that's like how many yeah. people served? Yeah, like over X amount. Yeah. Uh, so, the Miracle Morning books have sold like three to four, or the book, the original book has sold three to four million copies in wow. 37 languages. So a lot of the impact is actually, the, more of the impact is spread out through all these other countries, over a hundred countries than just in the United States. The United States, we probably sold around a million books. And then the other two to three million is in these other countries. But anyway, the, but to your point, I believe that we all have an innate drive and desire within us to fulfill our potential, right? To self-actualize. I think that's mm -hmm. innate in everybody. It's your point. It's this biological, like it's in us. 
And I think that very few people do it. I think most people settle for mediocrity. And I don't mean mediocrity compare how they compare to other people. Like to me, mediocrity is how you compare to your potential, right? If you're mm, set, if you are waking like up that. every day and striving to become the best version of yourself and live into your full potential, that's extraordinary. But if you are waking up every day and settling for less than you know you're capable of, that's mediocre, right? That's 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 my definition of mediocrity. And we all we all suffer from it every day. It's yeah. like this, you know. I don't want to say battle, but it's this like, you know, am I going to? just settle today and, and do what's easy and, you know, or am I going to get out of my comfort zone and, and try something new and learn and grow and evolve and become better and then do something I've never done. Like, uh, that takes, that's why it's extraordinary because it's a lot easier to just, you know, play it small. Yeah. I got the sense in your film too, just, uh, some of the people you interviewed like Robin Sharma, you know, which, uh, I know his 5am club. I remember when I first learned about the 5am club, I was like, how about the no, like the 8am club. <laughs> yeah, uh, But you realize how much these habits, you know, it, it, I don't have a kid, have a kid on the way. Maybe when this comes out, I'll have had one. Amazing. Yeah. But uh, listening to how it's like, oh, normally I'd get up at like 738 with the kids, mm. but actually carving out the time much earlier for time for self. And I, I recognize that happened in my life, how much I never identified as a morning person. And yeah. I felt like a former version of me being called out in the film of like <laughs> not being a morning person. You didn't say this explicitly, but identifying as not being a morning person kind of feels a bit like bullshit. Yeah. You know? Like well, the, I think it's a limiting yeah. belief. Like, yeah. you know, I, uh, I, I always hated running my entire life. And then when I started doing the Miracle Morning, the, what led to the Miracle Morning so 2008, I, uh, like my business was growing. Um, I think I'd grown from zero to $80,000 a year in two years, you know, as a coach, I was coaching mm -hmm. salespeople and entrepreneurs and that kind of thing. And then the economy crashed and I crashed with it overnight. Like it felt like it was overnight. It was really like a, a matter of six months where it was this downward spiral where I just kept losing client after client because they're like, oh, my sales are down. My business is down. I can't afford coaching anymore. Mm -hmm. And and I went from, you know, being like on this trajectory that I thought was great and feeling totally financially secure to the Great Recession, which by the way, the timing of this podcast, Mark, I feels like is really timely for people because the next great recession is upon us, right? Yeah. And, I, and, and I was really, in 2008, like that downward spiral created a lot of fear and hopelessness because I go, nothing's working. I'm trying to get more clients, but I can't, I'm losing clients. I'm going backward. And then I couldn't pay the mortgage. So my house was foreclosed on by the bank, which that's like a devastating identity crisis. You know, like I moved back in with my dad. We're pregnant with, my, my wife's pregnant with our first daughter. And I'm moving in with my dad at 30 years old after I thought I had lived the American dream, bought my first home, <laughs> right? And like, now I'm like, oh my God, what is my life? And I am a success coach. So like that identity crisis of like, dude, I can't even pay my bills. Like, right. Right. So long story short, I, um, or it'll be a little bit longer, but I went, uh, I, I heard a quote from Jim Rohn and Jim Rohn said, your level of success will seldom exceed your level of personal development. And I had probably heard the quote before somebody listening might've heard that quote before, but it hit me and I went, okay, wait a minute. If I'm quantifying that statement, your level of success will seldom exceed your level of personal development. What level of success do I want in my life? On a scale of one to 10, and if you're listening to this, I think this is true for all of us, we want level 10 success, however we define that. Whether that's mm -hmm. freedom, uh, financial security, love, connection, impact. If you're measuring success in every area of your life on a scale of one to 10, it's natural that innate drive and desire is like, well, I want to be as happy and healthy and wealthy as I can possibly be, right? right? And then I ask myself, what's my level of personal development? And if you're listening to this, I want you to ask yourself this same question. I think we can all agree you probably also want level 10 success. What's your level of personal development? Let me define that. So yeah. that would be who you're becoming as a person in terms of your mindset, your beliefs, your skills, your abilities, your habits on a scale of one to 10, how are you showing up every single day? And my answer to that question in 2008 was like at a two, like mm -hmm. maybe a three or a four, like on a good day. 
Because at that time, I was in fear scarcity mode. Like I had canceled my gym membership because I had no money. So I wasn't exercising. I, I was eating shittier food because I was buying cheap food. I was in fear mode every day, losing clients, right? Like watching the economy get worse and worse and worse. And I thought that's a disconnect. I want level 10 success, but my level of personal development is at a two or three. And I thought, well, what's the solution? I need to go find out what the world's most successful people do for personal development. And I need to do what they do every day and become the level 10 version of me that is capable and deserving of creating that level 10 success that I want in my life, right? Amen. Seems pretty straightforward. Yeah. And I ran home and I went and I Googled, you know, things like best personal development practices or like what do millionaires do for personal growth or right, like a handful of phrases. And I had a, a piece of paper and I wrote down, I was looking for one or two things I could do every day. And I ended up with a list of six practices. And it was meditation or what I now call silence affirmations, visualization, exercise reading, and journaling, which mm -hmm. I call scribing. And, and by the way, if you're listening, that's an acronym, S-A-V-E-R-S. -E Silence, affirmations, visualization, exercise, uh, reading, and scribing. And I got overwhelmed because I'm, I'm going, well, what, what's the best one? Like, I can't do all of these, uh, right? right? To your point, habit stat, right? I'm like, I, I don't have time to do all of these. What's the best one? And I almost threw in the towel. And then the epiphany was, what if I did all of them? What if I woke up an hour earlier tomorrow, even though I'm not a morning person, and I did the six most timeless, proven personal development practices that the world's most successful people have sworn by for centuries? I go, dude, that would be the ultimate personal development. Like, that'd be it. I go, and if I do that every day, theoretically, according to Jim Rohn, my level of personal development would go from a two to a three, to a four, to a five, and eventually a 10. And I'd become the level 10 version of me that's capable of creating that level 10 success. And I didn't know how to do a lot of the practices. I had never really meditated before. I had never done affirmations. So I opened up six internet windows, six tabs, and I Googled how to meditate how to do affirmations, how to visualize, right? And I like found one article for each, kind of read it the night before. The next morning, I set my alarm clock an hour earlier. And here's the crazy part, Mark. And for anybody listening that goes, uh, I'm not a morning person, like you were saying, right? I'm not a morning person. I don't know. Neither was I. And what's interesting is this. When you were a kid, let me ask you this, Mark. Did you celebrate Christmas growing up? Yeah. When you were a kid, on, now like on the weekend, on an average day, you probably slept in as long as you could. But on yeah, Christmas definitely. Eve and Christmas morning, was it hard to get up out of bed in the morning? No, it was like leap out of bed, run. And know. I realized we can create, we can recreate the experience of waking up on Christmas morning every single day of our lives. And I deconstructed that. What made it exciting? We knew why we were waking up. We were excited about why we were waking up. We knew, you know, so as we went to bed, feeling excited, anticipating the morning. And what I realized is that our first thought in the morning when our eyes open is almost always the last thought we had before we went to bed. And normally for the average person, mm. it's a stressful thought, a stressful feeling. They're ruminating over an argument with their spouse or something that happened that day. They're, they're freaking out about you know the, the future, the economy. They're worried about the waking up the next day. I got a workload tomorrow. I got that meeting, uh, right? And so their last thought before bed is stressful and that's how they wake up. That night I went to bed for the first time in six months, excited. I'm like, dude, this is it. I can't wait. <laughs> and I woke up the next morning like a kid on Christmas. I jumped out of bed. I went in the living room, did all six practices, did them poorly. Like I didn't know how to meditate. Affirmations felt super goofy on and on. But at the end of that hour, Mark, I was like, I felt so energized. And again, keep in mind, this is after six months of like a downward spiral into depression and financial ruin and right. But that morning wow. I was like, if I start every day like this, it's only a matter of time before I become the person that I need to be to create what I want for my life. And to wrap the story up, I was thinking of one year. I was thinking, yeah. okay, the compound effect, I'll get 1% better every day. Within a year, I can turn all of this around. And it happened in less than two months. In less than two months, I more than doubled my income in the worst recession of my lifetime. My, my physical, I had an exercise in six months. 
I asked myself, what would level 10 fitness look like? I go, well, I hate running. I've never run more than a mile. And that was only when it was required every year in PE class. What if I ran a marathon? I don't even know the person I'd have to become to run a marathon. I don't know that guy. I don't know that version of myself, right? But I ended up committing to run a 52-mile double marathon and started training for it and then you know, did it six months later. And my depression went away, not in two months, but on That's day wild. one because I lo- the hopelessness that I had been you know, nurturing for six months the first miracle morning I did, and it wasn't even called the miracle morning, but I went, this is it. This is the thing that's going to change everything. So I wasn't depressed anymore. I was excited. I was hopeful. And I went to my wife after the two month mark, cause I signed on two clients that day, which officially doubled my income. And I said, sweetheart, I just signed on two clients. We've doubled our income since I started this morning routine in two months. It feels like a freaking miracle. And she goes, it's your miracle morning. And I go, uh, I like that miracle morning, you know, and I put it in my schedule every day and, you know, and then eventually decided to turn it into a book and all of that. But, but that's the origin story. Like it wasn't a book idea. It wasn't like, what do people need? They need morning routines. It was like, what do I need? Oh, even though I'm not a morning person, maybe I need to become one. Wow. I mean, you never know where things are going to be born from, right? Like we often end up in circumstances like you're talking about you know, where we're like, why me? Like, why is this happening to me? What am I going to do with my life? How do I scrape my way out of this? And we don't often recognize that there is an invitation to change something, to become something. And you were saying that there's sort of like an innate soul's yearning to self-actualize. And I agree. And I, I think it's not to minimize people's pain and suffering, obviously, But I think that we hit those things, repeated patterns, experiences, frustrations, so that we can learn to up-level. In Mm -hmm. reading about your work and watching the movie, I was reminded again, (laughs) which sometimes has to happen continuously (laughs) till it gets in my noggin, is how simple it is. Like We often look at people like you, and we look at people who you feature in your film too, And we think like, that's not available to me. And you deconstructed what created people like that and said, it's not innate, it's habits. It's like commitments. Do you miss a morning ever? Rarely. I mean, this is, so for me, it's been, what are we, 2023? I started in 2008. So this is like my 15th year doing the Miracle Morning. I have probably averaged over six days a week, like 6.8 two days a week, right? Yeah. The only time I miss a miracle morning is if I'm up late, which is if like I have a date night with my wife or, you know, friend's birthday party, something like that. Um, otherwise it's, it's, it's every day. You know, one question that gets asked a lot in the, mm-hmm. so the miracle morning community is a Facebook group with like 330,000 members. And uh, a lot of people will say, Hey, um, you know, with the, in, that's, it's one of the most engaged groups every day, people asking questions like, what, how do you do this? How do you do that? What do you do for your silence? What order you do, do your savers? When do you wake up? Right. All these questions. And one of the questions that get asked a lot is, do you do miracle morning, like five days a week, seven days a week, six, days, you know, and, and the most popular answers, and you know, you'll get dozens and dozens or hundreds of people responding, but almost everybody says the same thing, which is my answer as well started at five days a week because we've been conditioned to think that, you know, you take the weekends off. But then what happens is every day you do a miracle morning, you're putting yourself in a peak physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual state. You feel fantastic, right? Like you yeah. go into your day feeling great. And, and what happens is you, you spend the first few weekends not doing your miracle morning and you feel the difference. You're like, dude, I was on fire you know, Monday through Friday. And then I like woke up all lethargic and lazy because I didn't meditate or do my out, you know? And then people always, almost always go. So I went from five to six days and I was like, why don't I just do it every day? And then I went from five to seven, you know? So most people end up starting with five and then they end up, you know, going to seven. That makes sense. They start to get addicted to the way they feel in the morning. And that's like the Christmas morning. You know, (laughs) you do start to look forward to the silence how long did it take for you to notice a change in your thoughts, like in the change of what was sort of, you know, the fear of the reality of your, the recession of yeah. your business and all that kind of stuff, your house. I mean, you had everything kind of crashed at the exact same time, your identity, it all collapsed. 
Yeah, I, and I think the answer to your question is like really from day one and me, in terms of my thoughts changing. And, and I think mm-hmm. thoughts are the first things that either that change or that we need to change. And then emotions kind of come later because emotions are hardwired in our nervous system. So if you've been feeling depressed for, you know, for six months like I was, that depression lingers, right? Like you wake up and you feel the way you felt yesterday, right? Just, but then as you shift your thinking, which generates new emotions, you start to replace the emotional, the detrimental emotional states, the fear states, the depressive states. You replace those with optimism and excitement and hope and clarity, right? So on the very first miracle morning, you know, by me reading affirmations that were affirming what I'm capable of, right? Whereas my, my, when I wasn't using affirmations, my thoughts were just racing like fear thoughts. Like, oh my God, what if I never get out of this? What if, mm-hmm. what if we, what if I go bankrupt? What if I never make, what if I'm homeless, right? Well, affirmations are my favorite of the savers because I get to articulate down to the letter exactly what, what thoughts serve me what behaviors serve me, like what I'm committed to thinking, doing, you know, changing, et cetera. And then every day when I'm feeling fearful and we can get into there, you know, I, I, we, I'd actually love to take a few minutes and we can do it now or later, but to, to talk about affirmations specifically, because I think they're the most misunderstood and literally arguably the most effective form of personal development. So the problem with affirmations, the way that they've been taught to humanity, you know, to people for a long time is we're taught one of two fallacies. One is affirm something that is not true um, as if it were true. So if you're, if you're struggling financially, just say to yourself, I am wealthy. I am wealthy. And just say it and just feel it and believe it. Now there might be merit in that Mark, but my experience is the truth will always prevail. And if you're saying something that you do not believe as true or that literally is not true, right? You look mm-hmm. at your bank account balance and you're like, dude, I'm, I'm broke. Definitely not and wealthy. Then, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you, yeah. And you pull out affirmations. You're like, I am a millionaire. I am a millionaire, right? <laughs> I am a liar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Your subconscious yeah. literally is like, no, you're not. And you're, literally, <laughs> you're creating an internal conflict as if we don't have enough of them, right? Like right. you're creating one. So the truth will always prevail. And I don't think lying to yourself is ever the optimal strategy. Um, affirming that you're committed to becoming wealthy, that's something that can be true on the moment you affirm it, right? And ultimately that commitment is what is going to make or break whether or not you turn your financial situation around. The second problem with affirmations is we're, we're taught to affirm some magical result independent of our effort. So I'll give you an uh, example yeah. that most people have heard of. I am a money magnet. Money is flowing to me effortlessly and in abundance, right? Now, why do that's a very popular affirmation. Why do people like that? I believe because if you're struggling financially, right? If you're checking your bank balance and you're like, oh my God, I'm negative. Oh God, I need to do my affirmations for some temporary relief. And you pull out your affirmations and you go, I am a money magnet. Oh God, that feels better. Money's flowing to me effortlessly. Oh God, that, that would be so great if effortlessly money just flowed into my life right. and um, an abundance, right? Things are magically changing. I feel it like... So people like that because it's this delusional relief from their money woes, right. but, but it's counterproductive because now you've just given yourself relief without saying, no, 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 you need to do things to generate that wealth, right? So those are the problems with affirmations and why I think they get a bad rap because they're, we're, we're literally teaching people to delude themselves into feeling better, and they're, but then you're not doing anything. So here, there's three steps that I use to create affirmations that produce results. I think that's one of the reasons the Miracle Morning caught on is it's a lot of woo-woo practices that I, I don't do well with woo-woo without making it practical, actionable, tangible, and results-oriented. So like I took meditation and I did exactly that. I took affirmations, I did exactly that, right? So here are the three steps. Number one, I already mentioned this, affirm what you're committed to. Right. So don't say I am a millionaire. Say I'm committed to generating a million dollars in the next, you know, 18 months or whatever. Right. I'm committed to blank. Mm-hmm. Number two, affirm why it's a must for you. 
another way you might put that, I think it's important to use language that resonates. Why is it deeply meaningful to you? Right? So for me, my commitment to generate financial freedom only mattered when I got clear on to provide financial security for my family, for my wife and my daughter at the time, right? And for my, like that matters. Being able to buy shit, that's not going to get you up in the morning. But Mm -hmm. if you can find the why that is so meaningful to you that you're willing to do whatever it takes, even if you're not motivated on any given day, like it doesn't matter. I'm committed because of these reasons. And there could be more than one. You might have a bullet point list of three or four. And then the third is which specific actions will you take and when? So that's where the rubber meets the road, right? You're you're affirming, I'm committed to this result or this habit. I'm committed because of these reasons. And so therefore, I will wake up every day at, you know, 6 a.m. And I'll, I'll, like, for example, when I was writing The Miracle Morning, I was committed to writing The Miracle Morning by December 12, 2012. That was the published date, right? Why? Because this morning routine has changed, fund, just transformed my life as well as my clients' lives. And I have a responsibility to pay it forward and share it with as many people as I possibly can. Mm. So I will write every morning from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m., seven days a week until the book is done. And here's the thing. When you affirm those three, what you're committed to, why it's a must, and what you're going to do every day, the only way you can fail is to be out of integrity and not live in alignment with what it is that you're affirming. But if you are in integrity, your success is inevitable. It's just a matter of time. If you haven't heard me talk about Cozy Earth Sheets before, let me tell you, I'm about to introduce you to the greatest sheets you will ever have touch your body. Anytime someone comes to our house and stays in our guest room, they always want to know what is the bed situation? What are the sheets that we have? Their sheets, their comforters, their duvets, everything is magic. Their bedding is naturally breathable. It's temperature regulating. It's so damn soft. It's ethically sourced viscose from bamboo. It's incredible. And the brand was featured on Oprah's favorite thing But before that, it was featured on Mark's favorite things. Like, I discovered this brand years ago before I ever even chatted with them about being a sponsor for the podcast. And because I love their product so much, I asked for an exclusive offer for you and you get 40% off site-wide. And now they have pajamas. They have like loungewear. So not only do you get to wrap yourself in the experience of the sheets as clothing, but you then get to get into the bed in that. So you're like double wrapped. And so all you got to do to save 40% off site-wide is use the code GROVES at checkout. So just my last name, G-R-O-V-E-S. So go to CozyEarth.com. C-O-Z-Y-E-A-R-T-H dot com and use the code Groves and you get 40% off all their products. So it's tapping into a why that is like deeply resonant to your soul mm-hmm. that then you're putting, so instead of like, I'm a money magnet, I think I've used that affirmation. I think years <laughs> ago, I remember doing like money flows effortlessly. It's like, oh, yeah. this is so nice. Money Feels just nice. Yeah. yeah. How's my bank account? It's the same. Um <laughs> But you're t- you're taking what you said that like actionable like you're making what can feel woo into linear productive like a plan a step and then it is only inevitable that if you continuously show up in that type of habit with that type of commitment that you will generate like it, you will generate you just have to because you're so productive you're putting out so much stuff I can't believe you did seven days a week of two hours of writing. Till the book was written. How long? And did I'm it sure take? I wasn't perfect. I'm sure I missed days occasionally. I'm sure, you know, some days might've been an hour, but I, I started an hour every day and then I ramped it up to two. Um, as I, as I fall, fell further and further behind my writing. <laughs> you know, <deadlines laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. You bumped it up. You're like, yeah, yeah. yeah, that makes sense. So it is yeah. about tapping into something though, that is about contribution and purpose generally. Is that what you see? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, I think it's, it's been proven that we will do more for other people than we will do for ourselves. Right. Mm. Um, whether that's to serve others or not let them down, you know, it can be one of the two. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think that, that, that whatever your why is, you know, your why, I mean, you know, if you're, if you're, you might not have other people that you're doing it for, maybe it's just for yourself. In fact, I'll give you, I'll give you a more powerful example. Uh, about five or six years ago, I was diagnosed with a very rare aggressive form of cancer. 
and I was given a 20 to 30% chance of surviving. I know you saw that in the movie, right? Yeah. When you have, I mean, my daughter was seven. My daughter, Sophia was seven. My son was four. So when you're being told there's a only a 20 to 30% chance you're going to be alive for your kids, it's like, it's the hardest thing in the world oh. to, to deal with. Um, and so I doubled down on my miracle morning because of my cancer being so aggressive. Like when I went into the hospital, I went from being totally healthy to two weeks later, my lungs were collapsing, my heart was failing and my kidneys were failing. And the doctor gave me one to two weeks to live if I didn't start chemotherapy. Wild. And I'm a very holistic person. So I'm like, I'd rather cure this naturally. And he said, you don't have that luxury, Hal. You're, you literally are going to be dead in a week or two. Your organs are going to fail. I reached out to some of the best holistic doctors in the country. They all actually said, he's not trying to scare you into chemo. He's actually telling you the truth. And you, chemo is your best bet. There's nothing a natural doctor can do for you that in, in the amount of time that you have to live. It's like your organs are shutting down. That's how this cancer works. I was like, crap, okay. So I started chemotherapy. Because it's such an aggressive cancer, I had to do over 650 hours of chemotherapy in seven months. So it was like a hundred hours a month for seven months. I mean, it was, I, it was, it almost killed me. It was, it was really difficult. Um, in the very beginning, as most people listening and probably you, Mark, you know, you'd imagine there's fear of death, right? It's like, oh my God, 100%, yeah. the doctors are saying there's a 70 to 80% chance I'm going to die. And, and here's the crazy part. Like, if you think about this, the best bet they're giving me is this chemotherapy and that, and that gives me a 20 to 30% chance of living, right? Like right. imagine going to financial advisor and they're like, trust me with everything you have. And there's only a 70 to 80% chance I'm going to lose all of your money. You're like, dude, I'm not going right. to hire you. But that <laughs> yeah. was my best option. Like right? yeah. that's my best option. So here's the thing. I was able to transcend fear in a matter of weeks using the miracle morning and primarily affirmations. Here's following those three steps. Here's what that looked like. My commitment, number one, affirm what you're committed to. I'm committed to beating cancer and living to be 100 plus years old alongside Ursula and the kids. No matter what, there is no other option. And whenever I felt fear, Mark, I pulled out that affirmation multiple times a day and I'm like, dude, fear is not serving me. In fact, fear is harming my cells. I need them to thrive. And I would read that affirmation with so much conviction that within a matter of weeks, fear was replaced with that commitment. It's like, no, no, there's no other option. Like, I, I'm, I'm not going to die. That's not even an option. And I reprogrammed my subconscious mind and moved that fear out of there. And, and it was replaced with faith, if you will. Number two, I'm committed to beating cancer for Ursula because I promised her forever and a day. I'm committed mm. to beating cancer for Sophia and Halston because they need their dad's love, guidance, and leadership. I want to grow, you know, be a, a grandparent to their grand their kids. Number uh, three, I, I'm committed to beating cancer for my mom and dad because they don't deserve to lose another child. My sister had died when I was eight. I'm committed to beating cancer for myself because I deserve to live a long, happy, healthy life. And then last but not least, I'm committed to beating cancer for the millions of people who are themselves battling cancer or some other disease and may not be blessed with the knowledge and resources that I've been blessed with. And they can benefit from me leading by example and sharing with them my journey. And then, so that was my why. There was like five bullet points that were so meaningful to me that that fueled the commitment. It's like, dude, yeah, I'm, uh, yes, I'm doing whatever it takes. I'm, death is not an option. I'm doing whatever it takes. And then the third step was I will combine the best of Western medicine, begrudgingly, because I really didn't want to do chemo, but whatever. I'll, I'll combine the best of Western medicine, but, but, but also research every natural holistic practice available to me and do all of it. And I did so, I did more holistic. I mean, that took way more effort. And I find mm -hmm. mo my doctor knew nothing about it. Literally no advice. I'd bring to my oncologist, how, how important is diet? He'd go, it doesn't, doesn't matter as long as you do chemo. I'm like, dude, yeah, thank you for banging your head against the mic. Cause I'm like, you're, that's what you're, I'm like, I know, but thank God I know mm -hmm. better than that. 
But yeah. your patients that don't know better, that's what you're telling them. And I and I, don't, I won't go on the soapbox, but I would get so get on it. hurt and angry. I'd be in the cafeteria at the hospital. And by the way, let, let's paradigm shift. Ugh, Anybody that, that trusts food. Western medicine implicitly and unconditionally, um, it's a business. They want patients, right? And, and, and if it was truly about your health, if it was true, and this is from my experience, what doctor would tell you that what you eat doesn't matter? It is proven that sugar feeds cancer. And where I would get angry is when I would be in the cafeteria at the hospital and I would see these cancer patients, you know, bald, skinny, not a hair on their body, sickly, hooked up to a chemo tower they would drag behind them, drinking a 32-ounce soda, eating a piece of pizza with cake, pie, and ice cream. How could you serve that? If you cared about people's health, if that was really what the medical system was about, you wouldn't serve these cancer-causing chemical foods in the cafeteria that the cancer patients are eating in. And, you know, and again, we won't go further because you could go into big pharma and, and all of the side effects and all of the corruption and on and on and on. But here's my, this is my, I just want to leave everybody with this. If you are suffering from cancer or someone in your life is suffering from cancer, please take 100% responsibility for your healing and do not delegate it to your doctor because they have not been, and it's not their fault. Most likely, most doctors, their, their heart is in it. They want to help people, but they're part of a system that doesn't train them on healing people. It trains them on prescribing drugs that may have a healing effect. I mean, I'm grateful I'm, I'm alive and I did chemo, so I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not throwing any of it out. Um, but I will say that I really believe that I'm alive today, not just because of the chemo. In fact, maybe in spite of the chemo, but because of every holistic practice. I took 70 supplements every day. I ate organic foods. I took, I got sugar out of my diet. I juiced every day. I did lymphatic massage. I did ozone sauna. I did three coffee enemas a week, which by the way, coffee enemas, um, it's, it, that, that's, that's like a must to detoxify your liver where the chemo toxicity builds up and kills people. And I want to leave one resource for people. It's chrisbeatcancer.com. C-H-R-I-S-B-E-A-T, cancer, chrisbeatcancer.com. Uh, he had stage four cancer. He was told by doctors that if he didn't do chemo, he'd be dead. And he said, I'm going to trust, you know, for him, it was God and nature. And I'm going to go heal myself naturally. They said, you're, you're you know, you're not going to make it. Uh, and he did it. He beat his cancer totally naturally. And he's dedicated his life to interviewing both patients and doctors who have cured cancer naturally to shift the paradigm around what's possible. And so he's a great resource to go and uh, and get information. But, but by all means, if you're into chemo, I, I would never tell you not to. You do what you feel is right for you. But please, I'm begging you, take it upon yourself to research and then again, there's a website to start, crispycancer.com, but go on a holistic quest to detoxify your body from the poisonous chemo and build your immune system and strengthen your mind, body, and spirit through diet, exercise, supplementation, and these other practices, as well as the miracle morning to keep yourself in that peak physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual state every day while you're dealing with what's arguably you know, the most difficult time in your life. I love it. I mean, I was a pharmaceutical rep for 14 years. So wow. yeah, yeah, I was on the other side. Yeah. And when I started to study relationships, I just saw the correlation of emotion to inflammation, mm. dysregulation. I also saw how cholesterol was a sham. Like once mm. I started to really study it and get into it. And I grew up um, in the 80s and 90s. And so Fats bad was the main message totally. of the 80s and 90s, yeah. which is still a message today. It's it's much like uh, depression and anxiety is inherited, and it's due to chemical imbalances, which has was disproven ages and ages ago, but was a marketing message of pharma because they had drugs that increase you know serotonin reuptake inhibitors. So yeah. you know it, everything you're saying, I'm like fully aligned with because you know just as simple as the miracle morning is the 
transcendent effect it will have on not just our mental health, but our physical health. It's just, it just makes sense. Like, you know, when someone asks me like, oh, well, what's self-love? And I'm like, well, self-love is this abstract term that we often think is like bubble baths and candles. And sure, it is those things, but it is really a group of choices. It's habits and rituals. And if I take the time to set aside time in the morning and I prioritize it and I do as you're inviting, there is no way that I can't love myself. And that decreases inflammation. Like on top of meditation, science, affirmation, like all the things that exercise, all of these things do that. But you stack on that how regulating for the nervous system Mm. choice of self is. It's insane. So like everything you're saying, I had a friend who had a heart attack. He was 42 at the time. He had a widow about five years ago. I went to college with him and I was back in my college town and he lived there with it. He lives there with his family. And I said to him, Hey, I found out about a like Christmas party tonight. Um, we haven't been to a house party in a while. You want to go? And he's like, actually, man, I'm just not feeling good. And you know, I had worked in cardiology. So he was telling me what was going on for him. He works out a lot. I was like, uh, dude, you got to go to the hospital. So he goes, gets checked, has what they call widow maker, his left main artery was blocked by like 90 something percent, 98 or something, 95. And when I went to the hospital to go see him as he was waiting to get stented, they were serving him like the foods. I couldn't believe first I was in a cardiac care unit and they were serving him high sugar foods. Yeah. And I looked at it like, what the fuck is happening yeah. here? Yeah. So I would go buy him food and then bring it like, you know, nutri- nutrient dense foods. Yeah. And I mean, it just, uh, so what you were saying really resonates with me because my heart was broken as I was like mm. looking at all these people who were in intensive care or cardiac care and in cardiac units and all the things into, you know, emergency. And you're just like, the food that is being served at this place is part of the system that creates why we need Miracle Mornings. Like, yeah. it's amazing how much Miracle Mornings are are really in the movie you talk about how there's been, or I forget who you interview who talks about it. Maybe it's Robin Sharma, but it's like how the evolution of how we've taken on, or it was, it was um, Vision. Vision Lakhani, yeah. Yeah, and he was talking about how we've evolved how we move our physical body. Yeah. Right. But not our minds. Yeah. Like we shower. He was saying we shower. Yeah. How we take you know, care of day. our physical right. body. Yeah. 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 hundred years ago, there was no showering. There was no. Yeah. 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 And I was like, well, isn't that so interesting that it seems to me that as we also become more technological, um, we have also forgotten these sort of sacred practices that remind us we are sacred beings. And you know, you know the movie Heal? Yeah. Yeah, I remember watching that and seeing that out of the, I think there's nine things that everyone, that were common that everyone mm-hmm. did who healed themselves. Like seven of them were emotionally related. Yeah. And I'm like, man, these are just like such powerful. What is the, I'm curious as we sort of talk about all this, first off, what is the greatest challenge you witness in people wanting to put these practices in? Like just so to prepare people as they're in the midst of inserting it. And then yeah. I'll ask the second question instead yeah, of I quest- think question it, stacking. I think the biggest challenge is is before they start like before they get into it. Meaning it's like it's like like I've had people told me I didn't read your I kept hearing about your book. I kept hearing about the Miracle Morning for like years. But I'm like, dude, I'm not a morning person. Like, I don't even want to read it. I don't want to be convinced because I'm going to be convinced that I should be a morning person, but I don't believe <laughs> I can be, right? Yeah. Like, that's the biggest. And, and when I wrote the book, that was my biggest insecurity was I'd be writing it. And there were so many days where I'm like, you know, I'd have writer's block or whatever. And I'd be like, dude, no, nobody, this is, how am I going to convince someone that has believed their entire life that they're not a morning person to, to be a morning person. Like, what could I, what words could I possibly use? I could tell them all day that it could change their life, but they're not going to do it. And so that was my biggest fear is like, I didn't think it would gain traction because I thought, and so what I did is I wrote mm. the whole book with that in mind. It was, I'd ask myself, 
what are the limiting beliefs people are going to have at every turn? What's the, literally the way that I write and I write so slow is like every sentence I write, I go, what will they be thinking after they read that sentence? And then that leads to my next sentence to my, so I write slow as like, I write so slow, but but I think, it, like, thank God I was that thoughtful, right? Because I was really like, how am I going to hold someone's hand from I'm not a morning person and I don't want to be one because I hate waking up early, right? Like, I hate the morning. Right. How am I going to get someone from there to this is a lifelong habit that I can sustain forever? And and it worked. And I think some of the the, the things about it are the second to the last chapter in the Miracle Morning book is called From Unbearable to unstoppable. And it talks about the going from a, a habit that you've never had in your life, such as waking up early or running or whatever it is, reading, you know, you've never had it in your life, right? So the thought of it is unbearable, right? Or it could be getting rid of a habit that you're addicted to. Like, dude, I love soda. I'm not going to stop, right? That's unbearable. The thought of stopping cigarettes or soda, that's unbearable. The, so the thought of waking up early is unbearable. So how do you go from unbearable to unstoppable where you're like, dude, I wake up like every day. And I broke that down. And so it was. it's three 10-day phases. Um, and the number's arbitrary. You could do this in less time, more time, whatever. But a lot of studies have been done showing, actually, not even a lot of studies. One study was done that said it takes 21 days to change a habit. I believe that study was popularized in Maxwell Maltz book, Psycho-Cybernetics, I think, in like the 70s mm. or something. Yeah, it could be off. Uh, but it was like this one study, and then everybody gravitated 21 days to change a habit, right? Yeah. And then there was a Harvard study more recently. Uh, done, it was featured in the book, The One Thing, that said it was 66 days to change a habit. So I experimented, and I landed on 30 days. And, uh, and it worked for me. And so this is what I taught in the book is the first 10 days are the unbearable phase where you're having to overcome resistance as you're acclimating to this change. And you, you think things like, oh my God, this is, I don't want to do this. I don't like this. I'm not a runner. I'm not a morning person, blah, 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 blah. But if you are aware of that phase and you go, okay, this isn't forever. Cause we usually think the way we feel is just the way we feel. And we don't understand that it's temporary, that it's mm -hmm. going to change. But if you can be aware of that and go, oh, the first 10 days are unbearable, but if I can push through those, it's going to go into phase two, which is uncomfortable, right? Which is like, okay, I made it through the unbearable phase. I'm no longer like resisting this with every fiber of my being, but I'd still rather sleep in. It'd still be easier. I'd still rather not run, right? That's that middle phase. Mm -hmm. The third 10-day phase, though, is the unstoppable phase where you wake up on day, you know, and it might be day 15, it might be day 25, it might be, day, right, whatever, it, it's, it's a gray area, but you wake up and you go, I can't wait to get out of bed today, like, and you don't even think about it, and so that mm -hmm. chapter in the book teaches you the psychology of being able to change a habit successfully. And then the last chapter of the book is the Miracle Morning 30-Day Life Transformation Challenge. If I would have skipped the previous chapter, people would have probably failed at it. They'd be like, okay, I'm going to try this, but I don't know. I don't know if I can do <laughs> right? But no, 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 no. I already handled the psychology piece. You are totally mentally and emotionally equipped to successfully begin and complete this 30-day challenge. So anyway, uh, it's a long answer to your question, but the, the biggest challenge is just picking up the book or watching the Miracle Morning movie, or downloading the free Miracle Morning app, right? Like, it's just that, I don't even want to try. I don't even want to look at it because I'm not a morning person. If you could just do that, if you can watch the free movie, download the free app, or, you know, the book's not free, but, you know, 20 bucks on the book, I'm telling you, you'll join millions of people who thought they could never be a morning person. And I'll actually, I Mark, last thing I'll say on this, and I'll turn it back to you. Somebody interviewing me once said, hey, what percentage of these millions of morning people, these miracle morning practitioners, what percentage of them were already morning people when they read your book or watched your movie so uh. that like this was not hard for them? They just, instead of checking email first thing or going on social media, they're like, oh, cool, I'm already up early. I'll do the savers, right? And he said, and what percentage had never been a morning person? So this was like them overcoming a lifelong limiting belief. And I had no idea. I was like, dude, that's a great question yeah. that I should know the answer to. I have no idea. And so I surveyed our community, which at the time was probably a few hundred thousand people, still enough to get a wow. really good sample yeah. size. Um, 72% 
said they had never believed they could be a morning person before they read the book. This was before the movie. Wow. Came out. So yeah, more than like, two thirds. Yep. And I was like, that makes me so happy because that was my biggest limiting belief is like, I'm not going to be able to convert people that, that aren't morning people into morning people. And wow. I was like, that's the majority of people that are doing the miracle morning around the world. They were never morning people beforehand. Well, I would imagine for a lot of you listening, you're probably thinking the same thing. Like, fuck that. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm not a morning person. I'm a yeah. night owl. I know you talked about that. Do you know who Pat Flynn is? He was first known as the, the, the host of the Smart Passive Income podcast, which is like Definitely one of the- don't know him, yeah. And then he wrote the book, Will It Fly? Um, anyway, so he, he has one of the top podcasts in the world. It's been a top podcast for like close to a decade. And um, I tried to get on his podcast like when I was first promoting the Miracle Morning and you know got rejected. And then one day he reaches out to me and he said, Hal, hey, um, I- People, your name keeps coming up and people keep saying, you got to read this book, The Miracle Morning. You got to read the book, The Miracle Morning. He's like, so I'm not a morning person, but I heard it enough. I want to have you on the podcast. And the the premise that he said mm. was this. He said, so, I mean, you know, he, this guy's, you know, he makes millions of dollars, millions of downloads. He's, and if, if you follow him, he's loved by his audience because he's one of the sweetest, most authentic human beings He's a great dad. He's a great husband. And I'm friends with him now. I can tell you it's all true, right? Um, so he tells me how I'm not, a, I'm a night owl. I'm most productive at night. So if, if this is you listening, like listen to this story. He says, I'm most productive at night. He says, I, I don't wake up to an alarm clock. I wake up to my, my kids who at that time were like, you know, four and five or something like that. I wake up when they come in and they go, daddy, 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 it's time to wake up. So I'm going, how am I? I don't even want to convince him to start waking up early. Like that's the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. Like your, <laughs> your kids are waking yeah. you up. Yeah. How am I going to say, you know, I know you're already successful. You're making millions of dollars. You're living, you're happy, you're healthy. He's running marathons and your kids wake you up. But no, 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 no. You should do what I'm telling you to do, right? <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, I don't know how this is going to go. Um, so I just, I tell the story. I'm just, I just, I do, you know, I, I just share it from my authentic self. And at the end he says, Hal, you've shifted my thinking. I'm a night owl. I get a lot done at the day, but some of the things you said about how I start the day sets the tone for, for, for who I am that day. And what you said about that my morning ritual puts me in a peak physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual state that will impact how I show up for the day he goes, I'm not doing anything that does that right now. I roll out of bed, I get the kids ready and I just go into work. I'm not priming myself the way you're talking about. He said, so you've convinced me that it's worth 30 days to see how this impacts my productivity because I think it's gonna help. He oh, said, shit. so I'm committing to my audience. I'm gonna do a 30 day miracle morning challenge. And of course you can imagine, Mark, I'm just like glowing inside. Yeah. I'm like, this is so great. And he says, and I'm gonna post every day on my social media how it's going and, and I'm going to be accountable. I'm going to take, you know, selfies at 5 a.m. And right. So he does it. Um, he, you know, it changed his life. I think he said it like tripled his productivity and, and he's like a lifelong miracle morning. I mean, he's in the movie. He was in the miracle morning yeah. movie. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so, so to your point, like this is someone who was a highly successful individual and believed it was because he's most productive at night. He decided to shift it for 30 days. And he's never gone back. Yeah. Any of the guys in the film or the people in the film who talked about the radical shift, like the guy who lost all the weight. Yeah. Yeah. 80, 80 pounds, Mike Eaton. That was incredible. And just yeah. actually the shift in his energy. Yeah. Like he yeah. was proud of himself. He mm -hmm. And when he talked about how it changed, how he related to the world. That to me yeah. was just so profound that he went from like people pleasing to like trying to get affir affirmation from other people to being yeah. the source of that for himself. And it's amazing like how much that shifts our physiology, our mentality and to transform uh, Pat Flynn in that way. Yeah. is talk about a great marketing plan too. Like you couldn't draw that shit up, hey? Like Dude, that's everything. I feel like, you know, God's got his hand in this whole miracle morning thing or some some divine force because like all these little miracles just happen. Um, Robert Kiyosaki, uh, you know who Robert Kiyosaki is, right? The author of Rich yeah. Dad, Poor Dad. Yeah. I spoke before him at an event once and um, I was like, he was the 
headliner. I was the opening keynote. And afterwards, I got to join the, the people putting on the event to have dinner with Robert. And I was stoked just, you know, like his book's one of my favorite, you know, top yeah, one of my favorite books. Book. And so I brought a copy of The Miracle Morning and I had signed it for him in my hotel room before dinner. And I had it like underneath the table and I'm battling in my head. I'm going, dude, you're going to look like such a goober. Like, don't give him your little self-published Miracle Morning book. You know, and I had Googled before the conference. He's worth like $80 million. I'm like, he doesn't need your little self-help book. And, uh, you know, and you're going to look desperate. And then Wayne Gretzky showed up, not literally, but but in, in my mind, he has that quote, Wayne, I literally, oh, I thought, yeah. you miss all the shots you don't take. That was what Wayne Gretzky said, right? And I'm it's like, great quote. I got no, re like, what do I have to lose? Like, he doesn't know who I am. If he thinks I'm desperate or whatever, whatever. we have no relationship. So I might as well try. So I, I, I gave him my book after the dinner and I'm like, Robert, your book really impacted me. I'm like, you know, you know, whether you read this or not, it's just energetically, I want to give you this as a gift. Thank you. And Mark, three, I figured he'd never read it. Three weeks later, I get an email from his assistant. She says, Robert has read The Miracle Morning three times. And like my jaw dropped. I'm like, no friggin' way. He's read it three times. He does it every day with his wife, almost seven days a week. It's changing his life. And he wants to interview you on Rich Dad Radio. And I was what like, the fuck, right? Dude. And so um, so we're doing we do the interview. And you know, and if you know Robert, he's very in your face and tells you what he feels. And he, he just kept telling his audience, pause and go buy this book. It will change your life. And I didn't, you know, I didn't. There was no, I didn't pay him, right? Like, this is him authentically. And here's what he said at the end of the interview. Like, I often repeat this because I had never thought of it this way. He said, Hal, before you wrote The Miracle Morning and you created The Savers, those, those six practices, he said, you'd be hard pressed to find anyone in the world that's successful that doesn't do at least one of The Savers and attribute their success. He said, but most people, myself included, goes, I've never met anyone that did all six of those practices. Mm -hmm. Most people do one, maybe two, maybe three, right? Yeah. Like they might read, exercise, and meditate, right? You know, something like that. He goes, but I had never heard of anyone that did all six. And he said, any one of the savers will change your life, right? You can, you can find someone that says, the books yeah. I read taught me what I needed to know and changed my life. He said, but I think you, you titled the book correctly, The Miracle Morning. He said, because my experience over the last three weeks has been that when you do all six of these practices, you, you experience miracles in your life beyond what you thought were possible. And if you look at Robert uh, in the movie, he's about 40 pounds heavier than he is now because that movie was filmed, that his scene was filmed like two weeks after that interview. He had just been doing the miracle morning for a month, but he will tell you that he lost, and I think it's 40 pounds, I could be off a little bit, but he lost that weight because of the miracle morning. And it's, Makes you know, it's what you said about Mike Eaton in the movie. It just reminded me of that, right? Like when you shift who you are, how you think, how you feel about yourself, your habits, you can apply the miracle morning to any result you want in your life. Well, it's just such a, like, I'm going to buy the book. I haven't bought the book <laughs> yet, but I'm going to buy it. Thank I was you. just excited when I got the uh, information about you. I was just like, oh yeah, this, I looked you up and then I was like, oh no, this guy's energy just alone is contagious. <laughs> uh, and your story is really profound and inspirational because I think, as I said at the beginning, we so often think that this isn't available to me because I didn't have this, this or this or whatever it is. Totally. And, you know, we're, we're all starting at different places or continuing at different yeah. places. It's almost like it feels two things. One, it feels like a trick that it is that simple. And, you know, like, it's like, how could yeah, it be no, that simple, right? Completely. It's like when yeah. someone asks about like, what is the number one skill to learn to be in a great relationship? Well, communication usually is the answer you get, but people don't actually learn how to be great communicators. Totally. Because I think the second part that you're saying is like, if I just dismiss something because I'm not a morning person or whatever resistance I have, or I'm not going to buy the book, or I'm not going to learn the information that is being invited. It's usually because we don't want the responsibility that comes with the knowledge, yeah. which as soon as we can alter our mindset around, 
running from the responsibility of that comes with knowledge as opposed to running towards knowledge that creates more awareness and responsibility that just creates more expansion. Like imagine if at the end of doing 30 days of miracle mornings, you are experiencing self-actualization. Maslow would be so excited for all of us. Man, I'm I'm so inspired by your story and your energy and just uh, what you've brought. I, I'm just so appreciative of you and your time. Thank you, Mark, dude. It, it's mutual, man. I appreciate your authenticity and your curiosity and um, that we're on the same page with uh, the big pharma stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. As someone who was in the industry, you have, you have, you know, we, we, you and I both have a unique viewpoint into the the medical system, right? So anyway, uh, but yeah. yeah, been a patient too, you know, so you, you definitely learn its limitations. And a lot of my world was deconstructed when I learned more of the stuff, the systems that feed each other, which is yeah, also totally. what holds us back from really stepping into our fullest potential. Because what is monetized is the pain of unrealized potential, the pain of knowing something and not being it we can treat with materialism. No problem. You can buy more shit. You can do more, inject more shit. You could do more stuff to not have to sit with pain. But pain yeah. is really such a gateway to transformation. Like you think when you lost your house, lost living with your dad, you know, like yeah. you weren't thinking, I'm going to one day affect millions yeah. of lives. Yeah. Like, I think man. that is one of the most important beliefs to have though, that is everything, you know, I mean, it's, it's often said as like, it's happening not to you, but for you. You know, for, you know, to me, I think that every adversity is an opportunity for us to learn and grow and become better than we've ever been before, right? On the other side of the adversity is a better version of ourselves if, and only if we take it on without mindset, right? If you, if you power, if you, if you're a victim, if you're like, woe is me, which I could have been, you know, right? With with any of the things, but it's like, I, I feel like for me, my personal belief is that I have a responsibility to become the best version of myself for the people that I love and the people that I lead, period. And Amen. so when I'm faced with a challenge, how I take this challenge on is what will enable me to help other people take their challenges on in the same way. And so if I cower, if I live in fear, if I give up, I am not of service to those I love and those I lead. I, I have to lead by example, right? Yeah, Amen. That's that level of responsibility that you're saying that comes with being in integrity with the commitment. Totally. Yeah. When I made integrity with my commitments, the number one thing that sort of uh, held my alignment, that changed. Like when I started teaching relationship, I was like, well, you can't teach it if you are not it. Like then you're just full of shit. And so it completely changed my life because all of a sudden all my relationships had to be in integrity with what I was learning. And that was so liberating. Although it feels terrifying, it's also liberating. And how have you noticed in the people you work with, in all the people who you obviously get so much reflections from things like your Facebook group, the app, uh, and the relationships around you. What have you noticed in terms of the change in people's relationships in their lives? Like what is maybe the most profound piece of that? So that was actually, I think that was one of the first things that got me to write the book. Um, so before I wrote, you know, the book took me three years to write. And during those three years, I was giving speeches on the miracle morning. I was, posting on social media. I started a video blog, right? Like I was sharing the miracle morning in any way that I could while I wrote the book. And so, and then I actually did a 60 minute audio. Somebody interviewed me about the miracle morning and I put it up. This is like, this is like old school internet marketing days where I'm like web page or opt-in pages were just a new thing. So I created yeah, yeah. this totally ugly opt-in page, like homemade. I don't even know how, what, where I, what site I use. And, uh, and so people could opt in to get the miracle morning audio, just me talking to being interviewed. Right. But 10,000 people downloaded that in the three years leading up to the book publishing. So the point is, I had so many stories which kept fueling me to write the book. And I remember one woman said, I, the miracle morning saved my marriage. Wow. Um, right? I, one, I was, at a, I was at an event once. I was giving a speech at, an, at a conference. And a 19-year-old uh, young man came up to me and he started crying. And I said, it's okay, buddy, what's going on? He goes, I started doing your Miracle Morning three months ago. And he said, um, I've been on depression medication for six years and I'm on, I've been on a ton of it. And he's like, and I, it helped for a while. And then now it's like, I'm, it hasn't been working. He said, I'm almost completely off of it. And my depression is going away in three months of doing the Miracle Morning, right? And I can't like put that in writing, you know, right? <laughs> Get in trouble, yeah. if I, but that's a story and it's a real story. And so 
So it really, the feedback that I get from people is it's so, it's just different. Like I said, it's whatever they needed to fix and that's what they applied their miracle morning to, right? The miracle yeah. morning just kind of turbocharges. Like if you need to make more money, then you meditate on making more money and you create affirmations around making more money and you visualize what you need to do to make more money. And then you read books on making more money. And then you journal reflections on what you need to do differently to make more money. If you're doing that every day, it's going to change who you are, how you see the world. And unlike what you said earlier, change is scary. But when you lean into it, Mark Victor Hansen is someone that said, change is scary. So don't try to leap into it, lean into it, right? Mm -hmm. Leap with a P is scary. Lean with an N is like, I'm going to just, I'm going to Google some articles on how to do the thing that I'm scared of doing. And then, oh, interesting. Like that's not so, and then, right. Like, and you know, Wayne Dyer, it's like one of my favorite quotes is when you change the way you look at things, Mm. the things you look at change. And I've had that in my marriage where my wife and I are fighting and I'm like, I can't, we're, I don't think we're going to make it this time. I don't think, you know, and then I like read a book on marriage and I'm like, Oh, I never thought of it that way. And all of a sudden (laughs) this, this anger that I was feeling towards my wife goes, I'm like, I don't even feel that anymore. I actually feel empathy and I feel love and I feel compassion. And I actually now I want to save our marriage, right? It's amazing how small shifts in your thinking and perception can completely transform how you feel about something. Oh man. Hell yeah. Everybody go buy this book, take on these challenges because it will change your life, change your emotional state, change your physical state, change your relational state. And uh, I mean, who doesn't want more of that? You know, and it doesn't come free. That's the thing. You know, it's like we've got to we've got to work towards it, and that's work that feels good. You know, that's the kind of stuff that fills your cup, makes you feel like you love yourself because you're making choices that affirm that. Um, how? Where can people find more of you, more of all the things? The best place to go is MiracleMorning.com. That's kind of the hub for everything. And if you go to miraclemorning.com, you can, the, the movie is free now. You can watch the movie free on miraclemorning.com. Um, you know, links to all the books are on miraclemorning.com. The, the Miracle Morning app, you know, is you can find it on the, you know, so again, miraclemorning.com, even the, the Facebook group, like everything is, is linked from that homepage. And, um, and we just redesigned it. I've never actually loved one of my websites the way I like, I love this site. So That's good. yeah. Check out MiracleMorning.com and uh, and I hope I see you in the community. I, I engage in there almost every single day. Thank you again, sir, for being here. Brother, thank you, Mark, for having me, dude. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you. Right back at you. 